Good morning. Welcome to Word of Life Chapel this morning. We're so glad that you are here. Merry Christmas. We are so excited that you have joined us this morning as we continue to just glorify God together. It's great to be in the Lord's house with the Lord's people this morning. A couple of announcements to share with you as we begin our service this morning. First of all, the youth Christmas party is tonight at 5 o'clock. Prayer meeting tonight at 5.30. Both of those are here at the church. January 12th at 5 p.m., there will be soup, chili, and cornbread in the fellowship hall, followed by the sight and sound production of Jonah. So if you are interested in that, there's a sign-up sheet in the fellowship hall. Uh, Again, completely free. This is just a a way we want to bless you. I think you will love it. You will totally enjoy it. Uh, Definitely worth your time. Next Sunday is our Christmas service. It's going to begin at 9.30. There's no Sunday school, and the children's program will start off at 9.30. Next Monday, December 24th, at 6 p.m., we're going to have our Christmas Eve service. Now, if you open your bulletin, there's a little piece of cardstock here. Can you pull that out for me and hold it up in the air? I just want to make sure everybody has one. We have two. Two people. Okay, we have some more. Good. Okay, so if you're holding it up, you're agreeing to give this to somebody this week. All right? Now, this is what this is for. This is a small invitation, a way that you can invite someone to come to the Christmas Eve service. Uh, I was actually doing a little bit of reading, and Christmas Eve is like the new Easter for people that don't come to church. People are interested in coming to church on Christmas Eve. So let me encourage you to just hand this out to somebody randomly. Maybe you're at the grocery store or the gas station, right, and, and, and have the opportunity to do that. If you would like more, we have plenty more. So just let me know, and I will get them to you. Along those same lines, um, if you are a current nursery volunteer and are around on Christmas Eve, I think uh, Heidi is still looking for one or two more people to help back there. Um, There will be nursery, and it's going to be from 0 to 3 on the Christmas Eve service evening. Uh, Yesterday, the youth group uh, went... Christmas caroling to the Polk nursing home, but before that we stopped at Jean and Joyce Huffman's house and they wanted to communicate to all of Word of Life Chapel, Merry Christmas. I don't think they're going to get their Christmas cards out this year, that's what she said. I think she said she used to do about 80 something Christmas cards. that's a, that's a lot of Christmas cards. <laughs> but she wanted to say, they wanted to say Merry Christmas to Word of Life Chapel. Thank you for everything that you've done for them this year. Uh, and they're just very, very grateful for that. Would you open the service with prayer with me this morning? God, we're so thankful that we are here. Father, we're thankful for Christmas and what it means. We're thankful, Father, that, that Jesus came, our Savior came. Father, there was light in, in the darkness. Lord, we ask that you would, Father, move this morning, remove the distractions. Father, may we not leave the same person that we were when we walked in the doors. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
just lifts our spirits. Uh, oh my. Let's go ahead and take a few minutes just to stand up, step out, turn around, shake a hand. Welcome those around you to this Christmas season service.
All right, if you could remain standing, we're going to sing Joy to the World. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. We will sing joy.
Christ, they just go together, don't they? So, Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the songs that you have given to us, songs that we can sing that announce the arrival of your Son into this world. We thank you, Lord, for music and notes and lyrics. Father, as we raise our voices, as we bring, Lord, our praises to you. Father, you are worthy of our praise, our honor. And so, Father, as we bow before you this morning, we adore you, we worship you in spirit and in truth. For, Father, that's why we have come. Lord, it's not about us, but, Father, it's about you, who you are, and all the great things that you have done. And so, Father, we thank you that you have come to meet with us this morning in this place. For, Father, the Bible says when two or three are gathered together, you have promised to be there among them. So we sense your presence. We feel your presence. We know you are here. And we ask you now to move among us. May your spirit have the freedom to be able to move into our hearts and our minds to, to change us, to mold us, to shape us into the image of your dear Son. We are thankful, Lord, for the great work of sending your Son into this world. Because of your love and your mercy and your grace, Lord, you sent Jesus to rescue us from our sins, to deliver us and forgive us. Father, the great need of mankind is to be saved and to be in your family. And so I pray this morning, Lord, that if there is someone here that is in their heart is they're, they're unclear, not certain whether or not they're a child of yours, that today might be that day, for today is the day of salvation. And may, Lord, this be settled in everyone's heart today, once and for all, that we know that we are yours and you are ours. And we belong to you, and we're in your family, to the person of Jesus Christ, the mediator between God and man. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. Father, help us to grasp that truth. Help us, Lord, to know that Jesus is our Savior who died for our sins. Father, we certainly know that there are many who suffer, who feel some pain, whose hearts are troubled. And we pray, Lord, that you, as the God of all comfort, you might move into their lives and give strength 
in times of weakness. Lift up those who feel down. Father, encourage those who feel discouraged. Father, give peace to the hearts filled with unrest. We thank you that, Lord, you do these things. You come and you deliver and you rescue in so many ways. And we thank you for that. Now, Father, guide us. Father, you have given us this brief moment today to come together in this place. I pray, Lord, that everything we do might bring honor and glory to yourself. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thou this leave thy throne, hymn number 124. Leonard's going to come and uh, lead us in a couple more carols today. Scripture tells us that he came to his, he, he came with, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. <clears throat> our first stanza reminds us that there was no room for him in Bethlehem, and in our society today, we find that there is still no room for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thou didst leave thy throne. Hymn number 124. <clears throat> Thou didst leave thy throne and thy kingdom come when thy come to earth for me. But in Bethlehem there was found no room for thy holy nativity. Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus, there is room in my heart. Yeah. 
106, 106, hark the angels, hark the herald angels sing, 106. <laughs> stanza, then those in junior church can be dismissed. Does anyone here have a bucket list? A bucket list. I know your wives have them for you, men. <laughs> a bucket list is something that you want to do or something you would like to experience before you kick the bucket, which means to die. The song that we're looking at this morning is a song from a man who has one thing on his list. Before he wants to die, he wants to see Jesus. 
As a matter of fact, God gave to him a promise. God said to Simeon, you will see Jesus before you die. We all have bucket lists, and the lists go on and on and on. Simeon has one thing, and that is to see Jesus. And then he's ready to die. Let me set the scene for this song of Simeon in Luke chapter 2. At the beginning of Luke 2, Jesus has been born. Christmas is over. Now I know, maybe we're getting the cart a little bit before the horse. Next week we're going to look at the beginning of Luke chapter 2. Today, the end of chapter 2. But Jesus has already been born. And now we come to the days and weeks that follow the birth of Jesus. So follow with me, please, as we look at Luke chapter 2. And I want to begin by starting at verse 21. And these events, as I said, follow Christmas. We're looking now at the days after the birth of our Lord. In Luke chapter 2, in verse 21, it says this, On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary, they took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. The point we look at this morning, the first point is this, Jesus in the temple. Now, I know the first verse that I read, he's not yet in the temple, but we're going to get to the events that took place in the temple. But there are three different aspects of the Old Testament law that Joseph and Mary were to fulfill. Joseph and Mary are still under law. We have not yet come to Pentecost. That is when the church was formed. Mary and Joseph are still under the law. And so the first law that they wanted to fulfill was to have their child circumcised. You might recall when we looked at the song of Zechariah, and Zechariah was not able to speak because he didn't believe when the angel said, you will have a son. But then on the eighth day, after John was born, there was a ceremony of circumcision. And there John wrote on the tablet, his name shall be called John. And Zechariah was then able to speak. On, eight day, on the eighth day after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph, to fulfill the law, had Jesus circumcised. And it was then that his name was called Jesus, just as the angel 
had told them it should be. Now we come into the temple in verse 22. And the other aspect of the law was the purification. On the 40th day after the child was born, the mother, because blood was involved in the process of childbirth, the mother was considered unclean until the 40 days after, and she went to the temple and was declared clean by the priest. This is all found back in the book of Leviticus. But something else takes place in the temple, and that is the firstborn male was to be consecrated to the Lord. There was a dedication. You know, in the spirit of this verse, we have dedications in this church of children. Parents will say, we want to dedicate our child. And in dedicating a child, they're saying, this child belongs to God. And we will do our best to raise that child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Joseph and Mary, they come into the temple to present Jesus to the Lord. This is all found back in the book of Exodus. Publicly declaring this child belongs to God. And along with the dedication, along with the consecration, a sacrifice was brought. Often it was a lamb. But the law enabled all, even those who couldn't afford a lamb, to bring a sacrifice. If you couldn't afford a lamb, you could bring a pigeon or a dove. It's very interesting that here, doves and pigeons, we get an idea of Joseph and Mary's financial level. They certainly weren't wealthy if all they could afford was a dove or a pigeon. And so here they are in the temple, 40 days after the birth of Jesus. I don't know how you vision this temple. It's not quiet like it is right here in this sanctuary. The temple in this day was very busy. It was very noisy, a very crowded place. With all of the sacrifices and all of the animals that were brought, it wasn't a place that smelled very good. There was blood everywhere with the sacrificing of these animals. And this is where we find Joseph and Mary and their little boy. Now it's at this point in the story that a man by the name of Simeon enters. We don't know much about this man, Simeon. All we know is what we read right here. All we know about Simeon is what we're going to be reading right here in this text. We assume oftentimes that he was a priest because we find him in the temple. But we don't know that. We also assume that he's an older man. But we don't know that for certain either. This man, Simeon, he appears on the stage of history. And after his part is all over, he just fades off the scene, never to be heard of again. 
Let's look at verse 25. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Simeon was waiting. Simeon was watching. Simeon was given a promise that he would not see death until he saw the Messiah. What do we know about Simeon? Well, we know he was a godly man. We know he was a man with a moral character. He was committed. He was devoted to God. Remember, when we started this series on the songs of Christmas, we spoke of the low spiritual condition in Israel at this time. 400 silent years when God did not speak to his people. And now God begins to speak once again. Many over those silent years, they've forgotten God. They didn't remember his promises. But there were the few, the remnant, the godly, Simeon being one of those. And he longed, he desired for the coming of Messiah. And he knew, because God revealed it to him, that he would see Messiah before he died. You know, the Bible says that we've been given a promise as well. You and I, we have been given a promise that someday Jesus is coming back. Perhaps today. We don't know. I, I suppose Simeon, every day of his life, he woke up thinking, perhaps today. Perhaps today. We don't know the day. We don't know the time. But we too, like Simeon, we are to be waiting for the coming of Jesus. We're to be watching for his return. We have verses in the Bible that, that speak about us constantly are to be expecting and looking with anticipation for the coming of Jesus. For example, in Philippians chapter 3, we read these words. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there the Lord Jesus Christ. Or in Titus chapter 2, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We've been given a promise too that Jesus is coming back. We haven't been given a promise that we would see him before he comes back. The Bible says we may. The Bible says we may not die if we are caught up in the rapture. If Jesus comes back, the Bible says we'll look and we'll be like him because we will see him as he is. But we don't know if that day will come while we're still alive. But we do know Jesus is coming back. It's like Simeon. He didn't know 
whether he's coming or not. It was just when. It's not a question of if, but a question of when. I don't know about you, but I'm not very good at waiting. I don't like to stand in line. You know, I thought as you get older, it would get better. I thought as, as I got older, it would, patience would increase. But it doesn't seem for me to be working that way. I give blood every year. My cardiologist says, you got to do this. You got to know your numbers. And so I did that this week. I went down to the lab, the blood lab in, uh, down on Linglestown Road. Numbers were good, by the way. I got them back. Cholesterol's good. All those levels. It's good when you get the results back and all your numbers are where they should be. But they open at 6.30 in the morning at this blood lab, and I got up first thing in the morning because you're supposed to fast, right, for eight hours. So why wait till 5 o'clock in the afternoon and not eat? So you go down right away in the morning. And I got there just before 7. There are five people <laughs> sitting in the waiting room. There wasn't even a seat to sit on. Five. I'm not very good at waiting anymore. You know, I've discovered and learned over the years, you know, God doesn't ever seem to be in a hurry. Have you noticed that? God just, come on, God. He doesn't seem to be in a hurry. And, but we ought to understand that because the Bible says that for us, a thousand years are like one day with God. Now, I'm 68 years old, and I thought to myself, I tried to do the math, how many hours is that in God's timetable? I'm sick. I went through life, 68 years I've been on this planet. You know how much time went by in God's mind? 1.6 hours. <laughs> and and yeah, we, we, we're, we want things done now. You know, I don't ever picture Jesus running down the shore of Galilee, do you? It just seems like God, he's, he's just never in a hurry. And so we wait, and we wait, and we wait. And you know, in the, in the, in the Bible, they said, you know, Jesus, he forgot, or God forgot his promise. He didn't come yet. Here we are 2,000 years after, and he still hasn't come. But 2,000 years for God's two days. We don't know when he's coming back, but we are to be waiting. We are to be expecting. And this was Simeon. Simeon was waiting, the Bible says, for the consolation of Israel. That's a term that is used of the Messiah only here in Scripture. Israel's strength and consolation. We sing in that song, O, o come, uh, uh, expected Jesus. And so Simeon waits. And again, we don't know how long he's been waiting. Days, months, years. But he waits. He's waiting for the consolation. That word means comforter. He's waiting for Messiah to come and comfort and bring peace to his people. The Bible says that 
Jesus, he is that comforter. And Jesus said when he left his disciples, he said, I'm going to send you and leave you another comforter. And the word another in the Greek means another, like, just like him. I'm going to send you another comforter of the same kind. As I have come to be the consolation of Israel and to comfort my people, when I leave and go back to heaven, I'm going to leave with you, my disciples. I'm going to leave you another comforter, just like myself. And the Bible says in John chapter 4 and 14 and 16 that his, it's the Spirit of God. Jesus said, but the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said. And then again down in John chapter 16, but verily, truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Because unless I go away, the Comforter will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. You know, Simeon, again, being part of the pre-church time, when the Holy Spirit came upon Simeon, he would come and leave. Same way in the Old Testament. The Spirit of God at times would come upon people or empower them or enlighten them, but then would leave. But now that we're on the other side of the church formation, the church age, the age of grace, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes not to come upon us, but to indwell us. And so now today, the Holy Spirit is within us, within believers. And the promise is that I will never leave and I will never forsake you. So we have with us at all times a comforter. Someone who is there to strengthen, to enlighten. Notice verse 22. No, jump down to verse 27. It speaks here of the Holy Spirit. It says, the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Verse 27, he was moved by that spirit. The spirit of God was at work in Simeon's life. Moving him, guiding him, directing him, revealing things to him. And he goes into the temple at the precise time when Joseph and Mary were there. There really are no coincidences with the people of God, are there? God was at work orchestrating the exact time, the exact place. And Simeon now in this temple, with all of the noise and the crowds, and he looks across the room, and he knew, he knew, that that child in the arms of his parents, that that was the one he's been waiting for. And he goes.
parents to Joseph and Mary. The Bible says he takes the child into his own arms. And this is when he bursts forth with this song of praise. Look at verse 29. He took him in his arms. He praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The first words out of his mouth, and remember the English translation doesn't always indicate that this is the first word. His first words was not sovereign Lord. The first words out of his mouth in the original language was now dismiss. Nunc dimittis. That's the Latin word we often refer this song as. It means now I'm ready to die. Now I'm ready to be dismissed. Now, God, you can call me home because I have seen with my eyes your salvation. Christmas, it's, it's all about Jesus coming to save. In all of these songs, Zechariah, he said in his song, God came to redeem. Mary, in her song, called God her Savior. And here we find Simeon speaking similar language. I have seen your salvation, a light to all nations. Christmas is about Jesus coming to save. Jesus was a Jew, and he came first to the Jews. The Writer Luke is a Gentile. He was a doctor. And as a Gentile, he wanted to make sure that as he's writing this letter, this gospel, he wants to make sure that the Gentiles know that Jesus didn't just come for the Jews, but he came for all nations. And he speaks of Jesus being a light to the Gentiles. A light to the Gentiles and glory to the nation of Israel. Luke's careful to emphasize that Jesus did not come for just one group. Jesus came to save all people from their sins. The gospel is global in its scope. The gospel is global in its scope. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere that Jesus Christ is born. The gospel of Jesus Christ is for all mankind. I suppose Simeon, like Mary, knowing the scriptures, 
he was thinking back to some of the Old Testament uh, references when he said a light to the Gentiles. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2, Isaiah says this, The people walking in darkness, they have seen a great light on the living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. I suppose Simeon was referring to that text when he said that the Messiah is a light to the Gentiles. Our song, A Little Town of Bethlehem, says this, Yet in the dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Simeon was filled with joy. He saw that this one now who he's holding in his arms, he is the fulfillment of all of those Old Testament references to Messiah. He has seen the salvation and praises God. And with that, he's ready now to be dismissed. His bucket list is completed. He said, God, I'm now ready to die in peace. But after the song, the mood changes. The mood changes from pay, praise to pain very quickly after this song. Look at verse 33. The child's father and mother, they marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon, he blessed them and he said to Mary, notice, he said now to Mary. He's looking Mary in the eye and says, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. The mood very quickly changes from marveling to misery. From marveling to misery. Joseph and Mary, they had a clearer perspective of the divine majesty of their child, and they marveled. They marveled at the, at the words of Simeon, but they learned something new about their son, and that is that Jesus will be a divider. Jesus will be a divider. And that's our last point this morning. Jesus, the great divider. The Bible says he was destined to cause falling, but also rising. Simeon is addressing Mary at this point and is letting Mary know that her bringing up of this child is not going to be easy. The bringing of the Savior into the world is going to cause some to stumble and some to rise. Jesus' coming does not mean that everyone will be saved, although, as I said earlier, the gospel is global. But some will reject, and some will accept. 
Jesus will be the stone that some will trip over and they will fall and they will perish and be lost. And to others, they will accept the stone which the builders rejected and they will rise to new life and they will be saved. Jesus came to his own, but his own did not receive him. But as many as have received him, those are the ones who are called the children of God's. There is no middle ground. You cannot sit on the fence. There is no neutral position. Some will fall and some will rise. Jesus was destined to come into this world and bring salvation. But not all will be saved. And then Simeon says to Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul too. Someone said these are ominous, ominous words that you couldn't fully understand as you're holding a six-week-old baby. Mary is told that a sword is going to pierce her soul. She is being warned of the pains that awaited her as mother of the Lord. She is rightly called the Mater Dolorosa, the mother of all sorrows, for she paid a tremendous price to bring the Savior into the world. At this point, she has no idea how God is going to accomplish all of these things through this small little boy. Until she stood beneath the cross. As Mary stood beneath the cross, as she watched her son die, she began to understand. She saw some who rejected, some who pounded the nails. She saw those who put the cross in place, those who did not believe in Jesus. But she saw others who accepted him. But she also saw the sword, the sword that pierced the very side of Jesus. Mary had a flashback. She remembered this day in the temple. When Simeon said, just as a sword will pierce your son, your soul will be pierced as well. And as she watched Jesus die, she suffered deep anguish as she sobbed watching her son bleed and die. And she understood the pain, the sorrow, having her own soul pierced. So what do we learn in a song, a lesson such as this one? Well, there are many things I suppose we could end on this morning, but let me end on this note. No one is ready to die until they have seen Jesus with the eyes of faith. No one is ready to die until you've seen 
and accepted Jesus with faith. The salvation that Jesus brings to the world is either accepted or rejected. Nothing in between. Simeon takes this baby into his arms and he said, now I'm ready. Now I'm ready. Now I can die in peace. I can die in joy. No one can say I'm ready to die until first they have accepted Jesus into their lives. Because the Bible says that it's only through Christ that we have eternal life. The options are clear. Fall or rise. If you reject Jesus, you fall into a Christless eternity. If you accept, you rise to new life. For God, he so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. And whoever believes in him will not perish, will not fall, will not be lost. But they'll be given eternal life. They will rise to new life. John chapter 1 and verse 12, I'll quote it again. Jesus, he came to his own, and some did not receive him. These are the ones who have fallen. These are those who have rejected. But to those who have received him, and they have believed in his name, those are the ones who become children of God's. Those are the ones who rise to new life. Today is the day of salvation. Today for you is a time to settle once and for all, if you haven't already done it, your eternal destiny. Because when we take our last breath, the decision to accept Christ is over. And if you leave here today and you haven't accepted him, that's in essence saying... I reject him. The Bible says that we've all sinned and we've fallen short of God's glory. The first thing we need to do is recognize we need a Savior. We need to recognize that we have sinned against God. That God has a law. He is a holy God. And we have fallen short of that law. We are not holy as God expects us to be holy. And because we have fallen short of his holiness... We have sinned against the holy God. Our sins need to be forgiven. We cannot enter into heaven having an impure heart. And so our sins need to be removed, cast into the deep blue sea, thrown as far as the east is from the west. But only Jesus is able to forgive your sins and remove them from you so that you then have his righteousness and you can enter into God's pure heaven. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for me. Not for his own sins. The Bible says he was sinless. He never did anything wrong. But when he died, he bore my sins. The sins of the world were placed on Jesus. He bore our sins on the cross. And so we confess our sins and we believe in Jesus who died. And the Bible says when you do that, you rise. You accept. 
you're given new life. Don't leave today without having settled your eternal destiny. Confessing your sins and believing in this Jesus who is Savior of the world. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you might continue to work by your Spirit. Lord, it's only your Spirit that brings about salvation. I don't know where you stand this morning. I know so many of you here in this church. But it's clear. The Bible is clear. I didn't make these things up. I hope that you understand that you know, this is God's word and he has spoken. And that Jesus is his son. But the Bible says that you must believe in Jesus to be saved. There's no other way. And so in your own words, right there where you're sitting, say something like this. God, I, I confess my sins. I acknowledge I've sinned against you. And I, I believe. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. And please take away my sins and bring me into your family. I trust that you this morning, you understand how you can go to heaven. Father, I thank you again for your word. It's a word that brings life. It's a powerful word. And I pray, Lord, that you might continue to work among us, saving men for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Take your hymn books, if you would, and let's close by turning to hymn number 116. Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Give ye heed to what we say, Jesus Christ is born today. Let's stand, we'll sing this. All three stanzas and will be will be dismissed. <clears throat> Good Christian men rejoice and soul and voice give ye heed to what we say. Jesus Christ is born today. Ox and ass before him bow, and he is in the manger now. Christ is born today, Christ is born today. Good Christian men rejoice, heart and soul and voice. Now ye hear of endless bliss, Jesus Christ was born for this. Has oped the heavenly door, man is blessed forevermore. Christ was born for this, Christ was born for this. Good Christian men, rejoice with heart. 
Now ye need not fear the grave. Jesus Christ was born to calls you one and call to gain his everlasting hall. Christ was born to save. Christ was born to save. Father, we thank you for the salvation that is ours through Jesus Christ our Lord. We pray these things in his name. Amen.